0: you're listening to the feed
1: this is the feed
0: this is the feed the feed you're listening to the feed in markham in richmond hill you're listening to the feed in Vaughan.
1: in stoville
2: in woodbridge in Unionville.
3: you're listening to 105.9 the region i'm ann romer This is The Feed. We are York Region's only news magazine show dedicated to the issues, the events and stories that matter to all of us who live and work here. On the show, we are gearing up for the holidays, yes, already, with a story about how Canadians want to purchase gifts this year that have a positive and lasting impact Also on the show, Black Friday is next week, how to shop for the best deals right here at home. But we begin with a reminder this holiday season, don't drink and drive. Joining me on the feed is York Regional Deputy Police Chief Jim McSween. Thank you for taking the time. And speaking of time, it is that time of the year, your enhanced festive season ride campaign launching. Tell us what is new and informative this year.
4: So what's new for this year, uh, we're reinforcing our ride uh, program with our Safe Roads, Your Call campaign. And what that is, is uh, we're um, asking our community members, our residents, to, uh, as they have been doing, uh, calling 911 when they suspect they are observing an impaired driver on our roads within the region.
3: And, Jim, what is it that would be a telltale sign that someone might be driving impaired?
4: Yeah, so if you're following someone uh, on the roadway, uh, some telltale signs would be swerving within the lanes uh, that they're driving, um, and uh, excessive slow speeding in some cases can be a, a sign of impairment, and excessive speed. So anything that looks out of the ordinary Uh, where the vehicle uh, is not being operated in a proper manner. Uh, That should be a telltale sign that something's up, and in some cases, unfortunately, that something happens to be the operator is operating the vehicle uh, under the impairment of either drugs or alcohol.
3: And we want, of course, those reporting this to uh, do it safely. What are the bits of information that they have to give to you quickly and immediately?
4: Well, immediately what we would want to know is first and foremost their location, uh, the description of the vehicle they're following, uh, any description they could provide um, of the driver, but in in most cases it's difficult because they're usually following from behind. And um, most importantly for us would be if you can obtain a license plate and provide that information to our communicators, that would be very helpful. Uh, That information allows us to... uh, uh, anticipate where that person may likely be going and uh, to take whatever necessary steps we need to to uh, stop that driving behavior as quick as possible.
3: Jim, you've been an officer for three decades. Tell me what it's like for you personally to arrive on scene when there has been an accident, an, a situation that has been uh, likely prompted by impaired driving.
4: Well over my three decades in policing I can tell you I've been to many many accidents where uh, people are either impaired by drug or alcohol and uh, there have been tragic circumstances as you uh, well know in this region we've had some significant uh, tragedies over the years and um, it's Never something that's easy for anyone to get over, in particular the family members, and they live with this grief for many, many years to come. And I can tell you that in many cases our officers uh, are significantly impacted by that, uh, those types of experiences as well. And so it affects everyone. Uh, it affects family most, but it affects the entire community.
3: And this is entirely preventable.
4: Absolutely. It's preventable. Um, there are options. People have options. They can call a cab, they can call a friend, they can take the necessary steps to prevent it at the front end on their own and uh, just make uh, a better choice. Uh, In many cases, it's a bad choice and people need to realize what they're actually doing is uh, they're involved in criminality when they... They uh, decide to make that choice to drive while under the impairment and some, of alcohol or drug.
3: Some might say after a drink you lose the ability to make sound judgment.
4: Yes, that's why it's important that the, uh, before you're going drinking to take uh, the necessary steps and make better choices as to how you're going to get home before you even uh, engage in your first drink. Uh, by making sound choices beforehand, will allow you to have a plan in place so you not put yourself in a position to make a poor choice uh, after the consumption of alcohol.
3: Jim, what are the stats looking like right now?
4: Well, in terms of uh, impairment, laid, we've laid more than 1,500 impaired related charges this year uh, and unfortunately that's up about 100 additional from the year prior and about 125 additional from the year before that. So. What's, what's disturbing is that uh, people are still not getting that message, the message that we want, that it's, it's unacceptable and it, uh, it's causing, causing tragedy on our roads, um, but what we're trying to do is reinforce our Safe Road, Your Call campaign to have our citizens help us in the fight against drunk driving. And uh, I can report uh, on a positive note That this year alone, more than 5,000 people called to report a suspected impaired driver. And uh, the numbers in terms of our community engagement and assisting us, York Regional Police, with that is continuing to go up. So that's the, the good news in terms of our community is that they are helping us. But we can't do this alone. We need their help, and we will not give up on the fight against impaired driving.
3: And on the negative side, uh, that's 5,000 people who were possibly driving impaired. When is the message finally going to get through, and how is it going to be delivered?
4: You know, Ann, uh, that's a tough one for police. I don't know. I don't have an answer. We don't have the answer. All we can do is take the necessary steps to continue to partner with our community and do all that we can to um, enforce the law, to prevent these tragedies from happening, and to educate people further on uh, how they can get involved and how they can do their part in keeping our community safe.
3: You know, every single day someone comes of age, of a drinking and voting age, and they have their license, so there are new drivers and new possibilities of, of impaired driving uh, out there every single day. How do you reach out to the new driver, to the young driver?
4: Well we continually uh, reinforce uh, the message within our uh, our educational campaigns in working with schools in working with uh, young drivers to have the conversation and to educate and provide resources to understand that um, that this actually is a crime when you take uh, the step to drive a vehicle with um, under the imp- under uh, under impairment of alcohol or drug you're actually you're actually create, uh, causing a criminal offense to, to occur, and the reality is some people don't look at it that way. It's, it, it's sometimes not um, viewed in the same way uh, other crimes would be, and we need to continue to get that message out and continue to reinforce programs like Safe Road Your Call to have uh, people assist us in actually educating their own children as well.
3: And last, but probably most important at this point, the fact that you want to involve the community. They're kind of ride along, if you will, for festive ride. They're out their eyes and ears and reporting if they suspect they see an impaired driver on the roads.
4: That's right. And that's what we're hoping uh, uh, to gain from our um, our program is that we engage the community more. We have our eyes and ears on the road are not just our officers, but it's, it's everyone keeping an eye out for everyone else and trying to make sure that um, we keep our roads safe and everyone can enjoy a, a safe and happy holiday season. That's the goal here, and to ensure that um, you know, we re- not only reduce but eliminate impaired driving on our roads.
3: Well said, York Regional Deputy Police Chief Jim McSween. Thank you for joining us on the feed.
4: Thank you very much for having me.
3: We continue our focus on the festive ride program. Afua Ba takes it from here.
5: The MAD campaign is underway and joining me to chat today is someone who's been involved with this campaign for a number of years now. Kathy Mitchell, she is the treasurer of MAD York Region. Kathy, thank you so much for joining me today. No problem. For uh, people that uh, get involved with uh, the MAD campaign, they get involved for a number of reasons, but tell us um, about your work with MAD and your story and why you decided to be involved.
6: My work with MAD began uh, after I lost my niece to an impaired driving driver. Um, and we received, as a family, we received a lot of support from uh, a Barry, the Barry chapter, um, for MAD, and uh, with everything that they gave to us, I felt that I needed to give back as well. So I started to volunteer with the MAD York Region chapter, and um, I sat as the president for five years, and I sat as the past president for two, and I'm now the treasurer with uh, MAD York Region.
5: Wow, okay, so uh, first off, my condolences, of course, uh, for your loss, and um also kudos to you for the continual work that you are doing with MAD. I know that I said that you've been working with the campaign for a number of years, but can you tell us, I mean, roughly, how many years you've been working with MAD?
6: I've been working with MAD for... um I'm heading into my eighth year now.
5: Just a number of years of course just from taking the helm of uh Mad Chapter of York Region to just different roles, just to make sure that the organization is is going and continuing to put the awareness out to residents in York Region. So thank you for your continual work on that.
6: Well, thank you. It's been a pleasure to do it actually. It's uh it's a uh, it was a terrible circumstance that brought me to it. But, um, but through it, I've, I've met some pretty remarkable people. So, um, it's been a benefit to me as well.
5: In your experience, can you describe just for maybe those who of course may not understand, uh, but just to paint the picture for us a little bit, the challenge of the holidays for those who have lost a loved one due to impaired driving?
6: Uh, it's actually indescribable. Um, it's, it doesn't matter what time of year the crash happens. Uh, when a special occasion comes along, especially um, the Christmas season, it's uh, it's devastating. You are looking for your loved one, or in some family circumstances, a loved one may have had a life-altering um, crash, and uh, you know they're dealing with. Um, you know, paralysis or uh, brain trauma or, you know, just, just so many different factors happen with an impaired crash. Um, for us, the loss of my niece was tremendous. Ashley was a, uh, uh a spitfire. She brought so much zest to our family and to not have her at our Christmas table is, um, you know, Eight years later, and we still—it's—it's it's as raw as the first year. It, it, the pain doesn't ever diminish. Uh, not a day goes by that I don't think of her. And to watch the pain and the trauma that Ashley's family goes through—her her mother, her sister, her brother, her grandmother, um, it, and her friends—it uh, just—it—it's not just that one person that in the crash. It, it affects, it's a ripple effect. It it just goes across the board. Um, even to the point that I'm sure you're sitting listening to me and it's affecting you. Um, you know, you don't like to be a downer. You don't like to, to be sad, but the, the realism of it all is that it, it creates sadness. It creates devastation and families are impacted Daily, there's uh, the statistics are in Canada. One person is killed every day on our roads. Sorry, four people are killed on our roads every day, and um, 175 people are injured on our roads every day due to impaired driving.
5: Just listening to the statistics, listening to what you went through and what the family went through, that it it doesn't necessarily get easier. It's it's tough. Um, and it's not just, uh, the holidays, even though that's definitely a big one or a big holiday, but it's even the little moments and it could, any small thing can sort of trigger back, right. To bring you back to that moment and, and what you're going through and it sort of revives all of those emotions all over again. So I can only imagine, this is just for me, but I can only imagine for, for those who have been directly affected.
6: Yeah, it's, uh, there's, there's no way to explain it, um every person is affected differently, obviously. Um, but the end result is the same. is the same. There's devastation and, um, and the grief is, uh, it's immense and it, it just never really seems to ever go away. You learn to live a new norm. You, you know, life goes on, life continues, um, and you do the best you can. And, um, But at the same time, you know, you catch yourself laughing and you're thinking, well, should I be laughing or, you know, um, for example, this weekend, one of Ashley's best friends is getting married. And, you know, you watch the circle of life continue and um, as happy as I will be standing there watching this beautiful young lady get married, I know at the same time I'm going to be thinking to myself, wow, we were, you know, we didn't have the opportunity to to share and and relish in the enjoyment of watching Ashley do this.
5: And so with the amount of devastation that goes around with with the act of impaired driving, why do you think so many still refuse to get the message as to how much it can affect so many people?
6: I I would say ignorance. Um I think that people are ignorant and they think, oh, it can't happen to me. Um, I believe that, uh, people get caught up in the moment and they just think, oh, I'm fine. Um, and they're not. And I, I can't say that it's from lack of education because in the eight years that I have been with MAD and prior to that, I was aware of You know, I always had a a red ribbon tied on my car at this time of year. I picked it up at the LCBO and um, a very strong supporter, a very firm believer in not driving impaired. And um, I think people just uh, have the mindset that it won't happen to them and they don't have uh, any kind of regard for society when they make that choice to drive impaired
5: I think th- those are fair points i i I think the number one i you you hit it uh the nail on the head is that everyone thinks it's, it can't happen to them uh, mm-hmm. that they are sort of in control enough to to handle it, and it only takes a split second for your whole life to change exactly. Where can listeners then get more information about MAD? I know that we mentioned that it can't be for uh, lack of information because there's been so much information that has been put out there. But just in case, uh, just in case somebody wants to learn more, if somebody wants to volunteer with MAD, uh, what's the information that they can use to get in touch with uh, the organization?
6: MAD um, Canada has a very, um, a very good website, and, uh, they could go to the website and then from that they can filter out to their local chapters through that. Um, but for Mad York Region, it's, if they go on to the website, website madchapters.ca backslash York. And that will bring them to the York Region chapter and, um, they can get information on, uh, what they're looking for on that site.
5: And lastly, um, of course, heading into the holidays, what is your message to our listeners about this?
6: Uh, plan ahead. Uh, before you even head out, uh, make sure you have a plan for, you know, how you're going to get home. Um, and uh, I, when I speak to young groups, uh, schools and things like that, I I encourage students to have candid conversations with their parents. And have a plan with their parents. have some money in a cupboard that if your child needs to take a cab home, that the questions can be asked in the morning, but at least get them home safely. And uh, you know, have a designated driver, Uber cab, whatever means you need to to get home. but uh, don't don't get behind the wheel.
5: Thank you so much, Kathy, for sharing your story. And uh, thank you for the information you've given to us. And uh, we hope that listeners will take it to heart. um, And so it's uh, one less impaired driver on the road so that somebody can end up going home at the end of the night. Thank you so much, Kathleen.
6: Thank you.
3: You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. The official start to winter is less than a month away, but the temperature has already begun to drop. The issue of homelessness is becoming even more urgent. Neta Sachar with how the Out of the Cold program is trying
2: to help. Joining me today to speak about homelessness in York Region is Rahana Sumar, Executive Director of Mosaic Interfaith. She is the founder of the Out of the Cold Program, an initiative that works with local organizations across York Region to provide shelter and food to the homeless. Welcome to the show, Rahana. Hi, Netta.
7: Thank you for having me on the show. So can you tell us when Out of the Cold started? 21 years ago there was only a a handful of communities that were operating the shelters and they weren't structured they were kind of independently run um, without any funding so mosaic interface out of the cold which is now the charity that organizes them that was set up 14 years ago to um, to kind of structure the program and uh, grow the program and um, you know, get more communities involved. So Mosaic has been there for 14 years. Amazing. And were you there yourself when it started? I was a volunteer 21 years ago um, with one of the communities, and I was pretty much just helping out with clothing and things like that. But then when the call came out to uh, to hire a consultant to develop the program, I applied for that uh, and uh, got the job from 14 years ago, and since then I've been working on the development portion. So, what
2: does Out of the Cold involve? Can you paint a picture for our listeners?
7: Yeah, so Out of the Cold is a coalition of interfaith communities. Um, Mosaic is the charity. We are not religious based, but we partner with uh, interfaith communities. So, every night of the week, beginning from November until the end of March, There is shelter available at one interfaith community, so you'll have a church one night, a mosque another night, a synagogue another night, uh, and homeless people will go to that particular facility. We have about 45 beds available every night. Um, We serve three meals, so a, a dinner, a breakfast, and we give everyone a lunch to take with them, and then we have a whole bunch of support services on site, so shower facilities, we have a wonderful medical program uh, with doctors and nurses. We have a clothing bank. We have transportation assistance. We have um, social service kind of referrals and housing referrals. So a whole host of support services at the programs as well. We've got 13 host communities right now and an additional 50 to 60 that participate uh, just by providing volunteers and things like that.
2: Fifty to sixty, that's incredible. How have you been able to see the impact of Out of the Cold in the community?
7: Well, when we started 21 years ago, when the programs existed, there was four um, communities that were running the program. There was about, you know, 150 volunteers, and they were serving about 100 people in the winter. Um, now, uh, 21 years later, we have six, uh, 13 shelters, so we've been able to expand shelter availability from two nights a week to seven nights a week. So people aren't sleeping outside anymore, at least during the winter. They, they have a place to go um, every night. Uh, we also have been able to expand our outreach, so we are now serving over 500 people, um, and it used to be about 100 people. And then, of course, there's, you know, the community collaboration piece. So we went from four communities to 13 uh, host communities and um, over 60 additional. So there's a lot of community collaboration now and working together to kind of solve the homelessness issue, uh, advocacy, and the volunteer base. We've got, you know, we've energized volunteers now. So we had only about uh, 100 or so volunteers uh, in you know twenty one years ago, and now we're up to fifteen hundred volunteers from across York, York region, so we've had quite an impact just in terms of service delivery and also um, getting the community and building our capacity as a community to address the homelessness issue
2: That's fantastic. What are some of the struggles that come with organizing an initiative like this?
7: Well, when you're primarily volunteer based um, it is it is a struggle to uh work on a lot of the kind of capacity building pieces. So we have a wonderful volunteers and they do a great job running the shelters. Um but a lot more is involved in uh serving the homeless and so I think um capacity has been one of them. So for example, our shelters are really emergency programs where people come in during the winter just to be safe and get fed and, you know, get support services. But the homelessness crisis really involves a lot more, so there are mental health issues, there are addiction issues, there are very serious housing issues, um, and in order to work on that, we need more capacity in terms of uh, staffing and expertise, outreach workers, so we really haven't been able to um, provide that kind of long-term solution just because we're largely a volunteer-based organization. There's quite a disconnect between the emergency services and services that provide long-term solutions.
2: Of course. Is it the same people that tend to um, show up for out of the cold um, in terms of like the people seeking services or is it always new faces?
7: Well it's uh, primarily the same it's about 80% of the same people that we'll see every day uh there are new faces that will come in and we found actually in the in the last few years uh you know in the last five or so years we've we've been seeing more new faces so that's not really a good sign um, but generally people uh, we see the same people not just in the one winter season we've seen people over the last 10 years that are just kind of um, cannot just get off the street and I think a lot of that has to do with the uh, a housing issue because the waitlist for uh, subsidized housing is approximately ten years, so there's kind of um a connection there between how long people are out on the streets before they can get housing.
2: You mentioned that there's a disconnect between short term services and long term services. How do you hope to see out of the cold continue to grow and evolve as the need becomes more urgent in the community?
7: Well, I think um, we're on pretty good ground when it comes to the community collaboration and providing emergency shelters. So that was our first stage over the last um, you know fifteen years. that was our plan was. but now our our second phase is is to kind of strengthen the um, long term solution piece. so um, there's various ways that that can be done, and you know it's just building stronger bridges with other service providers. You know, all the charities are busy and are uh, underfunded, so it's been very difficult for everyone to connect. But uh, I really would like to see that as the next phase, is bringing in outreach workers or some sort of partnerships with other agencies. Um, And then our dream has also been to open a daytime facility somewhere in the south of the region. We are the only shelter provider for homeless people in the south of the region. And um, there are absolutely no services outside of the winter season. So a lot of people that come to our program are leaving and then have nowhere to go until 4.30. And, of course, it's still cold at that time. So there really is a need for a daytime drop-in facility. um, And that would incorporate not just providing the beds, but... We could expand our services to having computers and laundry facilities and, um, you know, housing workers and legal aid and all sorts of things. So that's really our dream.
2: I freeze walking 10 steps from my house to the car, so I can't imagine what it's like to have to spend a full day outside in the cold um, waiting for the shelters to open up. How can people support out of the cold or get involved with you all?
7: Well, there's many different ways. So, obviously, the first one is to support financially. Um, We also accept in-kind donations. We don't really need a lot of clothing and things like that. It's amazing how much um, used clothing is out there. So, we we ask for specific items. Um, Gift cards like uh, Tim Horton's cards, uh, you know, coffee cards are really helpful because people use them in the daytime when they have no place to go. So, we go through those a lot. Um, and we ask for things like uh, boots, uh, winter boots and um, underwear and long johns, but those all have to be new. So there are in-kind donations, and people can call us uh, to get more information on that. And then we also started a really exciting fundraiser last year. Um, it's called Coldest Night of the Year, Richmond Hill. And it's a national walkathon that happens every February and this year it will be on Saturday, February 22nd. And uh, we we started that in order to kind of help us fund some pieces of the, um, our services that aren't funded at the moment, so that would primarily be our transportation piece. Um, And it's a great fundraiser, so people come out in February, and they walk, they brave the cold, and they walk outside. Uh, It's either a 2K, 5K, or 10K walk. And then we have food and entertainment. And last year's event was highly successful. We had people from various communities and just people that had never been to the program join us. And our goal was to raise twenty-five thousand, and we raised uh,
2: forty-five thousand. Holy! Um,
7: this year our goal is to raise forty thousand, and I'm hoping we can meet that. So it's a great event, and you can get involved in many ways. You can either sign up to, you know, walk or to have a team or you can sign up to volunteer, or you can just donate to um, one of the teams. So Mosaic has a team called Mosaic Family, and a lot of our clients will be walking uh, for that team. I hope
2: so, too. I think that you've all already proven yourselves to be an incredible resource to the community, and the success of your first fundraiser is a testament to how York Region is acknowledging that. Thank you so much for joining us, Rohana.
7: Thank you so much, Heather, for having me on the show. It's uh, very helpful to the cause.
2: If you want to learn more about Mosaic Interfaith and Out of the Cold, head over to their website m i o t c dot c a and check out how you can donate or volunteer or get involved with their fundraiser, coldest night of the year.
5: This
3: is the feed on 1059 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for being with us this weekend. As Canadians search for the perfect gift for their loved ones, a new IPSO survey shows meaningful gifts with impact are what's trending. Jim Lang unwraps this one.
1: Well, the holiday season's almost upon us. We're getting close to Black Friday, Cyber Monday, and December will be shopping time. And there are different ways to buy gifts to to satisfy people's Christmas and holiday wish list and help people at the same time to talk more about it. Thrilled to be speaking with Marsha Rock Malajikova from the gift catalog specialist at World Vision Canada. Marsha, how are you? Good and you, Jim? Fine, thank you. I, I know I'm a little biased because... Your commercials made an impact. Our oldest daughter, Adriana, who's in university now, when she was a young girl, saw one of your commercials, and I believe since the age of six, she has requested and she has bought some sort of gift from the World Vision catalog every Christmas because she feels she wanted to do her part. And as, as my wife and I as parents think it's the greatest thing ever, and she's done it, well, coming up to 12 years straight now.
8: Oh, well, that's wonderful. We love to have these faithful donors. It's amazing. Yeah, it's great I, that she started. It's just a young
1: year, too. Yeah, and it's funny. I've heard that from other people, too, um, that there's something about those World Vision uh, the campaign, realizing, well, just a little bit, I get money from an uncle or an aunt or parent. Why don't I use some of that to help World Vision? You, you know you're buying them a chicken or some egg or whatever it is or seeds, and you're helping people, and it's it's part of the holiday giving thing.
8: Definitely. And with the WellVision gift catalog, we have over 90 gift ideas and some starting as low as $10. And these really have an impact on children's lives and their families and their communities. And so for children that want to contribute, we have gifts for every budget.
1: Yeah, and that's the one thing I have noticed, Marsha, over the years with and our oldest, doing it, is the, the choices the gifts you can get for X amount of dollars, is, is I'd say it's triple what it was, say, a decade ago.
8: Definitely. I mean, we have this year, one of our new offers is Girl Hygiene Kits. It's as low as $25, and not having access to feminine products can be a real block for girls and their educations. And with this particular gift, they get to have um, the opportunity to go to school, get better jobs, and have a brighter future.
1: You know, Marcia, the one thing I find fascinating, but I guess I shouldn't be as a Canadian, that... Close to 70% of Canadians like to receive a gift that they know is helping someone else in the holidays.
8: So, yes, 95% of Canadians. That's an astounding number because it's almost all Canadians want to give more meaningful gifts that have lasting impact this season.
1: Yeah, and I i, I guess there's a lot of us. We we see the news and we look at social media and think, my goodness, we're so lucky to live in Canada and have everything that it has to offer. Why don't we just do a little something? And you think ten dollars here, twenty dollars here. It really is a small drop in the bucket. But when you see from the World Vision catalog what kind of impact it makes in a third world country, you really do feel good about yourself.
8: Definitely. And we have these gifts that every year have different. Every year we have different kind of gifts. Uh, for example, one of my personal favorites is tools for children with disabilities. Uh, These gifts provide children with physical, mental, and learning disabilities the opportunity to have wheelchairs, educational tools, and even tools and teaching
1: for parents and teachers. Now, I don't think this should be a surprise to anyone, but I did did find it interesting that fully half of all millennials in this country, they take climate change into account when choosing gifts they can give to others, and that kind of ties right into World Vision as well.
8: Definitely. Uh, That was surprising to us as well. And this year we have another new gift that is really in line with Environmentally Friendly, and it's solar panels. They provide a clean source of energy for facilities and for irrigation systems. And like I was telling one of my colleagues, by going online, you get to... Buy a gift in somebody else's name. You can give an e-card, and there's no wrapping, no paper, and that's another environmentally approach.
1: Oh, that's fantastic. I never even thought about that. Now, from your work and World Vision and all the donations and the generosity from Canadians over the years, you must receive some amazing feedback from these countries that benefit from the generosity of Canadians. Are there some that stand out, Marcia, to you, that they realize, like, thank you so much for doing this?
8: Definitely. We seen all kinds of different feedback we have actually one of the things that touches me the most is we have a sponsored child that actually works with us so he used to be sponsored through the world vision program and now he's actually working at world vision and so that's an amazing story of transformation and how we were able to impact his life in a different way
1: well, I know for, from personal experience, through Adriana, you can get chickens, you can get rabbits, you can get seeds, you can get uh, a school supplies, hygiene supplies. You can do anything and everything. If you want to be generous, you can dig a water well for someone. Anything and everything is available at the World Vision catalog at the holiday time to give a gift that makes you feel good but helps others around the world. Uh, what's your social media and what's your website for people who want to get involved, Marcia?
8: So our website is worldvision.ca slash We are on Facebook, on Instagram, and on um, Twitter. We post regularly our new offers. We have also artisan gifts that are gifts that are made from people in the field. Therefore, they get. Remuneration from the gifts itself. Then you get this gift, and you can offer it to somebody else. And that's—I keep saying this—is a gift that gives in three
1: different ways. Yeah, that, I like that, that's true, though. I, I, the way you put it, that's very true. Uh, worldvision.ca/gifts. Go online, you can look at their virtual catalog, environmentally friendly, uh, look at their wide variety of gifts that you can give to people around the world that could use the help on the holidays, as you say, from the lowest $10 to whatever you want to spend, and you can really make a difference this holiday season, Marsha. Uh, you know, I, I get emotional thinking about this with Adriana and how it's changed her life and how she started it, and we, my wife and I, we don't mind, we brag about it, that she's been doing it this long, and you guys are making a real impact with the youth in this country, and I thank you very much.
8: Well, thank you very much for your time, and you should definitely brag about it. To have a young person think of others at such a young age is really um, moving for all of us, and we need to learn from them because they have a different approach to how we consume.
1: <laughs> You're not kidding, Marsha. A gift catalog specialist, and a really good one of that with World Vision Catalog or World Vision Canada. Marsha, thank you so much, and all the best in the holidays.
8: Thank you very much, and the best to you, too. Bye-bye. Have a great holiday.
3: You're listening to The Feed on 105.9 The Region. I'm Ann Romer. Remember, if you missed any part of our show, head over to 1059theregion.com for a replay. If you have a lengthy holiday shopping list, you may want to get a jump on things. Black Friday is next week. Seems that a whole lot of Canadians are buying in. Tina Cortez with the dollars and
0: cents. Jeff Novak is the GM of RedFlagDeals.com, and he joins us next on the feed. Welcome to the show, Jeff.
9: Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here.
0: Well, let's get right to it. Your Black Friday survey suggests that almost 95% said they intend to shop on Black Friday. How does that compare to other years?
9: Uh, so the, the last time we did we asked that question was in 2017, and at that time, about 79-80% of people said they were going to shop on Black Friday. So I think over the last two years, I mean, that, that's a pretty big jump from about 79, 80 up to 94%. percent we you know, that's a 15% jump. So I really think Black Friday is, is you know, has really gained uh, its footing in Canada and, you know, is, is rivaling, has not surpassed Boxing Day as the biggest shopping day in Canada.
0: Okay, so let's take a step back. You already mentioned it. So Black Friday is next Friday. Traditionally, it's the day after U.S. Thanksgiving. Is that correct?
9: That's correct. And traditionally, it's been an American event. It's only the last six or seven years that it's really started to, to take hold in Canada.
0: Now, tell me a little bit about then how it compares to Boxing Day.
9: Well, so the, the really for Canadians, the big difference between Black Friday and Boxing Day, there's, there's a couple differences. One, uh, we don't have Black Friday off. Off work. So in the States, Thanksgiving is on Thursday and most people have Friday off. So they spend it as a shopping day. Whereas in Canada, we have Boxing Day off. So it's really become, you know, a tradition for a lot of people on Boxing Day the day after Christmas to go out and line up and, you know, sort of make all your purchases and spend all that money that you got for the holidays. But one of the nice things about Black Friday is that if you're buying holiday gifts, because it's it's before the holiday, you know you can save a lot of money buying all the gifts that you need. Um, you know, getting ready for the holidays, you can save a lot of money if you know what you're, you know, if you've done your research and you know what you're looking to buy and know what your pricing is. It's really a great opportunity to save some cash.
0: And do we know how much people are expected to spend on Black Friday?
9: Yeah, according to our poll, uh, 50% of the people we asked plan to spend between 100 and 300 dollars on Black Friday.
0: And what about crossing the border, or are they shopping here at home? Uh,
9: So, uh, again, we asked our users if they're they're planning on shopping uh, across the border, and the result was only about 4% of people said yes, they were going to either shop online from U.S. stores or actually physically drive across the border. And that's a really big difference from in 2016 when we asked that question. 15% of people said they were likely to shop uh, in the United States. Uh, And there's a bunch of reasons for that. I think one is, you know, our dollar the, the currency exchange really isn't worth it anymore and deals that look good in the States, uh, when you add in, you know, the currency conversion, your duties, your taxes, your shipping, it actually doesn't end up being as good a deal uh, compared to the Canadian one. I also really think that Canadian retailers have stepped up to the plate and are, you know, are really putting out some good deals and lots of deals and, you know, getting flyers out and really trying to make Black Friday a shopping event in Canada.
0: Is this the good time then to buy electronics or appliances or other specific gifts? Yeah,
9: electronics especially, that's usually one of the biggest things we see go on sale on Black Friday. And uh, most of our users, when we asked, said they were planning on, you know, buying some electronics. But surprisingly enough, apparel like clothing was was number two on that list of things that people want to buy. So Black Friday is really an opportunity to buy anything you need. Again, if you've done your research, you know what you're looking for and you know what the best price up to this point has been. You can tell if you're getting a good price on Black Friday, and that'll range from anything from you know electronics, clothing, um, you know home and garden products, uh, you know mattresses, computers, anything that you're looking for.
0: Now, you mentioned that Black Friday in the States is a day off. Are Canadians planning to take a day off to do some Black Friday shopping?
9: Uh, we asked that question as well, and uh, almost 85% of people said no, they were not planning on taking the day off. So it looks like you've got a small percentage of people that are going to try and you know, take the day off and go out to the malls and the stores, but I think what you'll see in Canada is a lot of online shopping. People will be online uh, at work. Uh, don't tell their bosses that, but I'm sure they're going to end up shopping online. <laughs> while they're at work.
0: And so you're, you're suggesting then that more folks are going to do online shopping as opposed to going to brick-and-mortar stores. Is that right?
9: Yeah, that's what it, it appears based on the, the numbers we saw in the, in the poll that we did. Uh, whereas, again, I said that um, only about uh, 15% of people are planning on taking the day off work and going shopping. So you will see a lot of online shopping. And then over the weekend, you know, Black Friday is really not just – the day of friday there'll be really great pricing all over the weekend and into monday which is called cyber monday so i think you know over the weekend people will get into the malls and the stores uh, but very few people will be taking off work on friday to get down to the mall
0: now you've seen some growth in terms of black friday shopping do you think it's going to continue to grow do you think it's going to become bigger than boxing day here
9: Yeah, well, most of our users already think it's a better time to to buy stuff. There are better deals on Black Friday than Boxing Day. Um, Actually, about 60% of our users said they thought the pricing would be better on Black Friday versus Boxing Day, and that's compared to about 50% uh, that thought that a couple years ago when we asked them. So, again, Black Friday is really growing in Canada, and I don't see why it would not continue to grow. Um, You know, Everyone's looking for a deal. Everyone has to buy holiday presents, um, and they're looking for a way to save money.
0: So before we wrap things up, Jeff, can you tell us a little bit about redflagdeals.com and the work that you do?
9: Yeah, so I run redflagdeals.com. We're a shopping and deal discussion site. Uh, So we have lots of things and lots of ways to do research on the site. We're going to have all the Black Friday flyers. Uh, Usually we end up having them before the actual stores post them. So it's a really great place to come if you want to see all the different flyers. Uh, We have an editorial team that curates deals. So we'll go through the flyers, we'll go through, you know, all the different websites and shopping sites and find what we think are the best deals and we'll post those. And then we also have a really large forum where our users will post and say, you know, I was at this store and I saw a really great price on this, or, you know, I was going to buy this TV, but this TV is more features at a lower price. Um, It's really an opportunity to, to learn from your peers about, you know, where you can find the best price. Make sure you do your research, know what you're looking to buy and know what the the best price is and then if you're going to be buying stuff online i think it's really important to go online in advance of black friday set up your account um you know learn all the shipping options learn what the return policies are because when black friday hits things will sell out very quickly and the last thing you want to do is have something in your cart and you're trying to you know fiddle around with trying to get your shipping address in uh, and then that product gets sold out
0: if our listeners want to contact you or find out more information about this survey where can they go
9: Uh, Best place would be www.redflagdeals.com.
0: That's terrific. Thanks for joining us, Jeff.
9: Thank you for having me.
3: Now, before you shop till you drop, you may want to set a holiday budget. Yes, budget. Joining me next on the feed is Garth Sharif to talk about holiday spending habits and even offer a few really good tips from the Chartered Professional Accountants of Canada. Welcome to the feed, Garth.
10: Thank you, Ed, and uh, glad to be here.
3: So let's talk about the annual holiday spending survey. What was uh, a standout in your mind in terms of how much money Canadians are willing to shell out this
10: year? Well, it's interesting from the survey, there's actually a 10% drop in holiday spending from our last year's survey, but the big number that sticks out to me, which was similar to last year, which is similar to my affliction, is that only 42 per, well, actually 42% of Canadians admit they don't have a holiday budget. So no budget. They go in and hope for the best in terms of their spending.
3: And you know, a lot of Canadians are living paycheck to paycheck. This just has to exacerbate the situation if you don't have that dreaded word, a budget.
10: Absolutely, and. Holiday stress is real, and that was another finding which might sound obvious, but almost half of Canadians say they have added stress during the holiday season. You could include me in that. (laughs) And the stress of just how much money to spend and how much you have to, how many people you have to pay for and not having a budget uh, just adds to the regular holiday stress, and uh, it's a problem.
3: Garth, are are Canadians, uh, interested in the e-commerce boom, or are they still thinking, I'm going to go into a store and touch and feel and smell and make my decision?
10: Well, it's it's an interesting part of the survey. Canadians still rely on in-store shopping. In fact, 45% of those that we surveyed expect to spend more in-store time, while fewer than one in five Canadians plan to spend their time online shopping. I guess there's still an appeal to being in a physical store and physical space, and just touching and feeling the goods that you're going to um, present as a as a gift to somebody.
3: Let's talk about ways that you can uh, be in the festive holiday giving mood, but not spend a fortune. Or maybe a different tact is to make a difference with your
10: your gift. Yeah, this was a wonderful part of the survey, Anne, and I, I like I love to see the stat that roughly. of those surveyed in our survey plan on making charitable donations. And that's that's a great way to give back to the community, to a charitable cause, and also a good way to stay within budget and not necessarily have to get something tangible for somebody, but also do something good uh, within your mission, within a charity. Uh, So that's a pretty high number. So I think as Canadians, we should feel really good about that.
3: Let me ask you a dollars and cents question, a financial question. If you do make a donation, As a gift, do you make the donation in the recipient's name, and do you get a tax receipt for that?
10: That's a great question. So you can insert, now this depends on the charity that you are donating to. So it is dependent, but a lot of charities do provide the option for you to give a gift to somebody else in their name and also receive the tax deduction for that charitable donation. So, what I would suggest is that you just look if you're looking for also the tax benefit of the donation, just look into the charity to see what they uh, say they do with those. but so most charities do offer that option.
3: There are other ways of giving that's the do it yourselfer uh the regifter, which you know th- those are uh, sometimes <laughs> dangerous waters in which to tread or, or to paddle <laughs> of the regifting just in case right. you give the gift that they had given you two years ago. <laughs> <laughs>
10: we've all been there. Mm
3: -hmm. Been there, done that. (laughs) So let's talk about, first of all, do it yourself.
10: Yeah, I mean, this ties back to the fact that, again, what we said, 42% of Canadians admit they don't have a holiday budget. And for most of us, that means we will probably overspend. And that could cause some of us trouble, as you were saying before. A lot of people struggle with their finances, especially debt, and overspending during the holidays can really exacerbate that. So sticking outside the box, and thinking about different ways to provide gifts to friends and families. And we talked about one, which is charity, but just non-traditional gifts. Uh, we, for example, in our family, we we actually have stocking stuffers that my wife and I make. My wife is, is Swedish, so we do some Swedish uh, baked goods that we add to their stocking stuffers. And there's a lot of value that people have in getting a gift that's made by somebody else that not only saves money, but also shows that you really care for them. And it's
3: My two favorite C's, cheap and cheerful.
10: Uh, I love that thing, (laughs) cheap and (laughs) cheerful. You don't have to spend a lot of money and people are happy. That's the best way to go.
3: Well, you feel as if you have received something made of of more than just material. It's, you know, thought and heart and soul went into it, too. So what the heck? So let's talk about some of the tips that uh, CPA Canada has put together to try and alleviate the holiday stress when it comes to buying gifts for other people or creating gifts for people?
10: Yeah, that's great. We've talked about two of them. One is, to reemphasize a big one is to create a budget and stick to it. Uh, Set a budget based on your financial situation and just see what that budget is and make sure you stay to it so you don't overspend. And the other one that we briefly touched on was thinking outside of the gift box, really thinking about different things you can maybe make or create that you don't have to spend money towards that can provide uh, a sign of love and and uh, a gift during the holidays. They and also the other,
3: recommend also. something like starting to save early. And one of the things that I have done as a as a bit of a miser, uh, I try to save, uh, is to put loonies and toonies from my purse into a piggy bank. And I know that sounds so old-fashioned, but I'll tell you by the time that piggy bank is full, I've got a couple of hundred
10: dollars. And that's the tip of the day. Because a big part of saving is to do something ahead of time. And so what you've done is just done something behavioral, taking physical coins that you might be used for other purposes and say, this is where I'm going to start to save. That's a great recommendation. Because if you don't do something, just think about saving, you might not actually save. So you want to have a separate bank account. You want to have, again, a separate physical account like you did, Anne. I think that's a great idea. Start saving early. It's a, it's a fantastic tip.
3: And from a personal perspective, Garth, what's your best tip when it comes to our listeners?
10: You know, one of the best tips that I've found, and I've tried to do this, I've actually taken a lead from uh, a friend of mine, and it's actually one of the tips that CPA Canada has, is to find those deals. If you really have a budget and you can see that you go, are going to go over budget, and you can flex around with some of the dates as to when you purchase gifts, Black Friday deals. Cyber Monday deals, like only 36% of people plan that we survey plan to take advantage of Black Friday and 28% of Canadians plan to shop on Cyber Monday. I think that number should be much higher because there are real deals to be had there. Now, it might shift the conventional time at which you provide the gift or celebrate, but if you can do that, there's just a lot of savings to be had on those dates to buy the physical gifts on those days.
3: Garth Sharif, someday let's you and I talk about bartering. <laughs> it's been such, oh, a, such a pleasure to have you on the feed with us. Thank you for great information. Very much appreciated and happy holidays.
10: Thanks a lot, Anne. Thanks for having me. And
3: that's our show for this week. If you missed any part of the feed or have a story idea or a community event to share, head to our website, 1059theregion.com. I'm Ann Romer. Thank you for listening.